0: Good morning good afternoon or good evening wherever you are in the world I hope you're very well you're listening to autistic voices I'm Evelyn Charmer I'm a pediatric therapist and I'm the director of Ed Elf Child Therapy Limited and its sister training company for therapists the Child Hypnotherapy Institute and I've recently been diagnosed autistic myself So I'm very inspired to bring you a diverse and rich range of autistic voices from the community. People who are diagnosed, people who are not diagnosed, people who work alongside and collaborate with autistic families or autistic adults, people who identify as neurodivergent. Please come and join the conversation. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at Evelyn, that's E-V-A-L-Y-N-N-E at child hypnotherapyinstitute.com or contact me via the show. Thank you for joining me with Autistic Voices. Um, uh, my guest there of the week on Artistic Voices is a lovely lady called Willow Holloway. So welcome to the show, Willow. Thank you. And, and I don't know, some listeners might have heard your first show that we did last year, which was probably, we were just talking, weren't we, are fair. That was probably about a year ago now.
1: Yeah, the time's gone really, really quickly.
0: It's gone really quickly. So um, before we get into it, <clears throat> I'll just um, introduce who you are. For people. So Willow does all sorts of things. She's a really interesting woman, which is why I want her back um, on autistic voices. And I'm just going to quote from your LinkedIn profile. Okay. It says Willow is a late diagnosed autistic woman, same as me, and has previously worked with autistic people in residential care. Um, she has delivered consultation events and workshops, training for North Wales police and loads of other professionals. And has an extensive knowledge of autism from both a professional and personal perspective, facilitating interactive sessions, which offer an informed insider perspective on autism, which is really important, isn't it? And you also act as an an autistic consultant for several organisations locally in Wales, and you offer individual mentoring and support. So there's all sorts we can talk about. But how are you, first of all? I'm
1: good. Not too bad. I'm still... Got a little bit of long COVID, so up and down a bit at times, but starting to get over it, I think, Um,
0: and just overworked. (laughs) Well, you do so much, and I think like a lot of autistic people that I have interviewed for this show, I'm always absolutely in awe of the amount that people get out there and do, and it's just fascinating, isn't it? And so you are probably overworked, but I know that you're really good as well at, at recognizing that and being able to look after yourselves too. So yeah. I'm sorry that you're still having long COVID. That's that's just another underlying annoyance, I imagine.
1: It is, yeah. It's m- most annoying. I've been left with um. I have ticks and um body jerks and things like that anyway, but they've been made quite a lot worse. It's one yeah. of the things that was left after COVID. Um and that's caused a few issues, but you get you get used to these things, don't you? You you have to adapt. Um and thankfully society is becoming a bit more accepting of difference now. So I'm not quite as uncomfortable as I used to be. Yeah. About letting people see that side of my autism as well now. Well, I always start the show with what we're grateful for. So let's just start with that and then we'll come back to
0: that um, message about ticks, if that's OK. Oh, yeah. um, what are you
1: grateful for right now? Um, I'm grateful that the sun's shining and I'm grateful that I get to spend time with my granddaughter who keeps me going. She keeps me young. Oh, how old your granddaughter? She is five going on 50.
0: brilliant (laughs) brilliant oh well that's lovely that's a really lovely start to the show I guess what I'm grateful for today is is being um in the in in this country in the UK at the moment um I don't know how people are coping out there in Europe with the temperatures and the fires and all of the problems it's causing and um I do sort of really feel for those people so My heart goes out to them. I'm really Mm. grateful to not be among them right now Mm -hmm. because we complain about the weather in the UK, don't we? And and I know you're in Wales, which um, can be quite rainy, but isn't that a relief when you think about the horrendous impact Mm. that it can have when Mm. the temperatures wait too high for what we can normally cope with?
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's not good, is it? It's quite worrying. I mean, they've said that we're liable to get really high temperatures in August and I've already gone out and bought a very, very big paddling pool before they sell out. So I can just spend my day immersed in cool water. Do you know, I've done the
0: same, but I bought um, an inflatable hot tub.
1: Yeah.
0: I got one last summer. Um, It's basically an inflatable paddling pool. Yeah. And um, I keep it on cool for those days because I'm like you, I have to immerse in cool water. It's the only thing that makes me sort of... Be able to manage the day and carry on working and stuff like that so okay just coming back to what you said about ticks before we get into the sort mm. of work stuff um i'm interested because um as a therapist I'm, i work with young people mostly autistic young mm. people or new divergent kids and i'm working with uh, a few children who experience ticks
1: mm. as
0: well and um M- muscular body jerks you said but yeah. also vocal tics and I guess where I'm coming from as a therapist is I think the most harmful thing is suppressing them isn't
1: it oh gosh yeah I mean um there's been a big thing recently about Lewis Capaldi hasn't hasn't yeah. um and I must admit I'd, I'd heard a few bits of his music before um but I'm a bit older so I'm stuck in my 1980s music usually but somebody sent me the clip of Glastonbury, Um, and then I went and watched his whole set and I could see he was struggling before he even started. Um, And I watched it through and his main concern was that he was letting people down and the more he worried, the more he ticked. And I sat there and I I class myself as pretty pretty strong-willed, and um, I I tend to, I'm not overly emotional, but I cried into my coffee that day. And it wasn't because I felt sorry for him or I pitied him, but it was that overwhelming empathy that I understood how he was actually feeling at that moment. But I don't think he realised just how much he's done for the ND community. Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? Was, it? I, it was I, amazing.
0: I reached out to him actually on Instagram and I'm sure he's been inundated and he hasn't responded, which mm. I wasn't surprised. But i just wanted to say that myself because
1: yeah.
0: I think, although it's horrendous watching what he's been going through, and I don't know if you're aware, but he made a documentary about it.
1: I what I went off and did a deep dive afterwards, as as you do. As I you do, yeah. Um, and well, this it's is so moving,
0: is. isn't it? Yeah. I think what you're yeah. right. What he's done is he's brought it to the masses and... All of those people at Glastonbury, and actually a few months ago he did a gig somewhere else where the same thing happened. And then he's had a break between then and Glastonbury because he wanted (laughs) to do Glastonbury. It's been his his lifelong ambition, I suppose. It's the it's the height, isn't it, Mm. of of music?
1: You can see a song though, can't you? I mean, just looking at him. And absolutely, and that's what gave me that empathy because I've been in burnout a few times myself. Yeah, your tics do get a lot, lot worse. Yeah, and it's um, like
0: it's like panic attacks. When you've mm, experienced one mm, bout in yeah. public, you the fear of it happening again creates yeah. more anxiety and
1: stress on your body. Yeah. That yeah. then it you, it does get worse. So it does, think, and it's painful. People don't realise that actually, like you said, that suppressing them, yeah, just makes it even. It's it's physically painful. Mine are quite. Can be quite violent jerks and it tends to be my shoulder yeah um and I very common I, I've one is in agony afterwards
0: yeah and um as I say I'm working with some children at the moment who are saying exactly those things and they're very young
1: mm. you
0: know they're under 14
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they're really struggling to, uh, with the pain with the physical pain and you know really explaining how it can really freeze up your shoulders your neck Ooh you know your all your muscles your jaw yeah real pain in the throat not being able to swallow not being able mm-hmm. to eat sometimes and having lots of phlegm and yeah. things like that and I was talking to one young man just early today um about whether he suppresses his burps <laughs> and what that might be like and yeah. trying to help him to make friends with his tics yeah and that you know it's no different from yeah. you know allowing out of trump or, yeah, or a burp yeah. um and i think that's it and it's but you know the more that we suppress these things about us whatever they are the more they hold in the body becomes somatic i think is the word yeah and the more that it it causes physical issues doesn't it as yeah. pain so okay so since you came on the podcast before, which is about a year ago, and for those listeners that listened to you then, I'm sure they're really keen to hear some updates, but also for anyone who hasn't listened to that one, um, can you just give a sort of a whistle-stop tour of all the work you're doing and what's going on?
1: Okay, hey, I shall get my mind map out. I know no, I look at that. Um, it, but... I wish
0: listeners could see that. That is fantastic. It's got I...
1: so bad that I have to keep a mind map. to. Actually... I love a mind map, though. To... With what I'm doing. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so I'm do, still doing masses of work with um, Autistic UK. Um, since we came on the podcast last, we've now got an office in Plendidno, um with a training room attached to it. So we're able to do more things there. Um, we're working um, with our local health board to implement a new piece of guidance that Welsh Government released, which was the... Um, code of practice on the delivery of autism services. So um, Betsy Cadwalder University Health Board are working with us to implement that so that it's implemented across the health board with all staff. Um, We're still working with the integrated autism service and I think since the podcast I was also asked to be co-chair of their strategy board so that they've actually got autistic representation on the on the board that's leading in a, in a decision-making capacity. So that's really good. Um, the other thing that I have done re- since is um, our Welsh government are looking at a neuro developmental improvement program. So they've, Change the way they're engaging. I've done quite a lot with Welsh government over a few years now, but often it was very much, it was just one or two of us that sat on a strategy group. Um, but they've really massively improved on that now. And they've developed a ministerial advisory group on neurodivergent conditions. Um, and there's quite an equal balance on there between. Autistic and non autistic and making sure that there's other representation from other ND conditions on there as well. So that was really good because we had to apply for that this time. It wasn't something that you were invited to. You actually had to apply so that they could get that balance of skills and diversity that they needed on there. What's
0: and what's your role on that um, advisory um, group?
1: I'm just I'm just a member of the advisory group, but one of our other directors from Autistic UK is actually co-chairing that as well. So that's brilliant. Um we're still working uh with an organization called Fair Treatment for the Women of Wales on um women's health plan for Wales. So that's a brilliant one as well. Um With Autistic UK, we're still running some peer support groups and we're also supporting some other groups to set up now. So taking what we've learnt and I suppose if you like the potholes that we found and making sure that people don't have the same struggle as setting up as we did um, and helping support some smaller groups by being able to access some funding for them. Because Gosh, it's, it's really big, growing. No wonder you need a mind map. It's just it, yeah. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, I I do, I do um, presentations sometimes, and um, what the presentation that I'm doing this year is talking very much about change makers. Because we've got we've got a lot of media coverage of autistic people, and don't get me wrong, they have their place. So people like Christine McGuinness and. Um, or even um, what's his name Owen Jones just came out as ADHD and things like that.
0: Yeah, so Robbie Williams. Got the, We've got a lot yeah, of high-profile people. Yeah, there. so
1: you've got that high-profile, um, <laughs> and you've also then got like social media influencers. You've got these huge platforms, but there's a lot of change makers who don't want to be in the public eye. Yeah, they don't want to be all over social media, and they do their work behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've been making a big thing at the fact that actually you don't have to be this big global superstar or make massive changes to be a change maker that you can actually sit on strategic panels, sit on your local steering group, even just reaching out a hand to other autistic people. Yes. That's enough to make change. So we we've, we've got a big focus on that at the minute. That's lovely. Um, and that sort of also encourages us to connect with other communities. So in my case, it's the, um, the disabled community because I, I do a lot of work with Disability Wales as well, and that's something else that happened since I last spoke to you. I was vice chair, I think, when I spoke to you You last. were, yes. Um, and I became chair this year.
0: Oh, well done. Congratulations. Um,
1: yeah, uh, chair who'd been in the role, she'd been in the role about 15 years. Yeah. Um, stepped down and retired and I was next in line so I was really really proud to do their um it was our 50th that 50th anniversary at Disability Wales um so we did a big celebration event and we did a big conference and I got to chair the chair the co- the AGM at the conference and meet yeah. well, it's no
0: mean feat Willow I've 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 been a chair there might be people out there think well what does a chair even do but yeah. I've been a chair of um <clears throat> big, not a massive organisation as Disability Wales, I have to yeah. say, but I've been a chair of various things, and it's a lot of work. And I sometimes love it, you, I loved it. I loved it as well. I loved I it. Love it. I found it fascinating, but it's not. Sometimes the perception might be that you're just sitting there and you're just oh, helping God. people get through a meeting, and it's not that at all, is it? Can you I say know, a bit I more know. about what um, it means to you?
1: Well, it's very much about sort of making sure that that the meetings that you're doing run correctly and keep on track um which can be quite difficult when you're in a room full of passionate people um disability world runs a bit smoother than autistic UK autistic UK we we do have a tendency to go down rabbit holes and the conversation can go that's not a massive
0: surprise at all I think that's that's just part and parcel isn't
1: it yeah um (laughs) <laughs> but obviously from like, from what I've said already we we deal with quite a lot of major issues
0: exactly and, and I think the thing about being a chair is it's not just making sure meetings kind of run, run smoothly and they come to a, a an end it's about making sure that your organization is following their own values that you've got clear outcomes that you're working to set plan of how you're taking those values and outcomes forward that mm-hmm. what you're doing is meaningful yeah and that's a lot a strategic kind of work, isn't it, behind the scenes that you need to
1: do? It is, and it's it's something we struggled with a bit more at at Autistic UK because we we work a bit more outside the box, if you like. Um, Some charities are very set in their structure, but because we're a CIC and actually run by quite a small team, a very dedicated team, but a small team, we do tend to be a bit more flexible in the way we work and way we approach things. Yeah, and there's nothing um, wrong with that. You're still achieving and yeah, um, moving it forward. Does, it does scare off business support and things like that. Yes. So as soon as you say you use a lead, most business support goes running for the hills.
0: Right. Why do you think um, that is?
1: Um, I think a lot of it could be down to the stigma that surrounds autism still and the stereotypes. Yeah. Um, and that lack of knowledge of how to work with us because we need flexible working. Yeah. Um. I mean, I know for me, I do my best work at between 10 o'clock at night and 3 o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah.
1: And it doesn't fit into so, the way society is set up. Well, the,
0: you know, I think what, it's a really nice way to think about when you said outside of the box. And I think for a lot of autistic people I speak to, and certainly I speak for myself here, My my comment when people used to talk about outside the box thinking was, is there a box no one told me there was a box (laughs) and I think that's it it's kind of you know doing things in ways that are organic and creative and just you know that things that come up and you do get very enthused and motivated and passionate you can go off and down rabbit holes and things but it's usually super productive way to work as well but it's not that confined and you know that can be challenging and it also can be amazing it's both those things isn't it so yeah what what are you excited about? When all of this, I mean, you've talked about well, my my biggest
1: one at the moment is um I was approached. Obviously, I've been working with Disability Wales for years now, but I was approached by the Welsh government to sit on their disability rights task force. Um, massive achievement. I'm just so I'm just so proud of myself. Um, and so you should be. And they asked me to chair their health and well being working group. Um. Obviously, with the fact that we've just come out of a pandemic, mm. and that all yeah. the issues with the NHS at the moment, it was a very, very intense working group. Um, but we're what we're doing is we're developing the disability plan for Welsh government, which will look at how what work they're going to do over the coming years, um, and it's um, it's so co productive it's the time, usually you sit in these groups and if you're lucky as a disabled or autistic person, you'll get five minutes to quickly say what you need to say. Whereas this is a real co-productive approach between policymakers, service providers and disabled people themselves. They're there in equal numbers and actually the lived experience is listened to first. And then service providers and policymakers feed in. Um, and obviously, I can't say too much yet because it's the reports haven't been written. But I, I, I can see real change coming in Wales for disabled people, and pur- purposely because it's been disabled people leading the conversations this time. It's a really good model, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, it's really
0: motivating to hear about that. Mm. Um. And how you've described the co-production um, structure of how yeah. it works and that the policymakers come in later. And actually, it's it's all about the service users first and their yeah. lived experience first. Yeah. Um, the I'm great like,
1: thing is we're in the same room as well.
0: Yeah, in the same room. It,
1: usually they separate you down um, and, and they <laughs> all in the well, same room. It's brilliant
0: that sort of five minutes thing you were talking about a minute ago you know it it just feels really tokenistic doesn't it like Mm. you're ticking a box being um just representing and not really actually
1: co-producing
0: or collaborating
1: in wales we are massively moving towards um social model of disability
0: yeah so welsh
1: welsh government have adopted the social model of disability and our intending as time goes on to implement it within all their policy well, well um, done wales that's all i can yeah, say that's i mean a massive massive move forward massive and move includes forward co-production yeah. if you're looking at that model then that model pushes for co-production
0: i love that that's yeah. all really exciting and positive Excellent. and going back to what you said earlier willow about the welsh government setting up a neurodevelopment program yeah. Or newer Development Improvement Programme, I think mm-hmm. is what it's called. And they've got a Ministerial Advisory Group. Can you tell us any more about that? Because that's also really exciting.
1: Yeah, the Ministerial Advisory Group is there to advise and, and sort of steer the Improvement Programme. Um, and that looks at all sorts of areas. Um, the, you've got the children, it, it's very much an all age strategy. Um, but obviously, you've got the neurodevelopmental services that work with children, and then you've got the integrated autism service that works with adults, um, which is quite <laughs> quite a, a different thing in itself with the integrated autism service. Because here in Wales, you can self refer for diagnosis, or what should I say, assessment? Because you're not guaranteed a diagnosis, but you can you can self refer for assessment. Um, They're looking at developing um, a no wrong door approach, which was, it's the way um, children's services hopefully work in Wales, that actually a diagnosis shouldn't lead the care. You get your needs, it should be needs-based. But they're looking at implementing that no wrong door approach for ND as well. Um, But also the um, Neurodevelopmental Improvement Programme, Rather than being purely focused on autism, they've recognized that actually ADHD community, the Tourette's community are all having major problems accessing diagnosis and after support. So this new program will initially look at autism, ADHD and Tourette's um, and look at pathways and everything else to support them. Um, And there's been massive, there's a lot of consultation going on again there so that they seek the views of the community. Um, It's going to be a long process. There's a lot of work to do, especially around ADHD. Um, I'm also working on the ADHD advisory group with the (laughs) National... Of course you are. (laughs) Well, it all sort of, this is the thing, it all all interlinks. It's a bit like a a spider's web.
0: Well, yeah, and looking at that mind map in front of you, all the different yeah. colours, I can see that the dots are starting to join up, aren't they? And yeah. they not starting to. I mean, some of them were already joined up, but yeah. you can see the development and growth of yeah. communicating between all of these groups and how they might fit together. Yeah. Um, but there's only one willow. So um, how do you um, spread yourself around and how do, you, how do you decide where you're going to focus your time and attention, considering you're also neurodivergent? And I know what... That can be like is being for me, I can get really, really hyper focused on one thing. And I find it easy to do loads of different Mm -hmm. things and compartmentalize them, but I can only do one at a time. So if I'm if I'm writing training, I'll spend three days writing training. Yeah. And I find it really hard to integrate other things into that. I can do it, but I find it difficult. So how does it work for you being able to you know, manage all of these different sort of separate entities and organisations and where you fit in with them all?
1: I think the fact that sort of I sit at a director level really helps, especially with Disability Wales, because we've got a really good staff team. Um, So at Disability Wales, it's very much about keeping an eye on governance and having good ideas that we can then pass on to the staff team to develop. Um, Autistic UK, we delegate. we do as much between us as we can. I'm not the only one who sits on strategy groups. All the other directors sit on strategy groups, um, and I suppose uh, I'm also waiting for an ADHD assessment. And I actually think the level of work that I do keeps me level. I'd be I'd be more unbalanced if I wasn't busy. Yes, I, I need to keep my brain occupied, or else it goes down roads that I don't want it to go down um and I suppose passion drives me and motivation having ND kids and ND grandkids I want to make the world a better place for them it's not about me yeah um and that do you know there's something very beautiful about
0: that isn't there but also I think like you're saying from a self-preservation point of view yeah I I agree with you completely but sometimes people say to me oh your life's all about work and I'm one of those i I live to work people mm. rather than work to live and I feel like I'm, I' I also say to me I'm a bit like a missionary without the religious bit <laughs> I've got a mission I'm on a mission I feel like my whole life is all about you know um this meaning around helping children and young people mm. that's where that's where I get my kicks it's where I feel valuable it's where mm. I focus my attention but when I'm not working I don't know quite. What to do in the world, and mm-hmm. I, I, I much prefer to be spending my time in a way that I see as valuable and contributing, and yeah. thinking and getting ideas and developing stuff and all of that. So I'm totally with you. And and, and across the years, I'm 55 now, but over my career, I've done sort of like the same as you. I've done a bit here and a bit there and part time this and part time that, and it's almost all becomes all full time. Yeah. <laughs> Because you never switch off from it, really. Um, But how do you manage to compartmentalise your time between the different requirements of what people need from you in order to fulfil those roles? I suppose I'm
1: really lucky in the fact that, I mean, at the moment, I'm involved in quite a lot of research as well. But I'm there for me. I'm there for my lived experience. So it's not as if I'm having to go out and learn lots and lots of new things for each role. Because basically my role is the same in every organization that I'm working with. It's it's as basically an N, an ND consultant. I'm there to give my experience on living with autism or ADHD or whatever we're there to talk about that day. Um so it really yeah, it's, it's, I, do, I do, people keep saying I should do do you find it hard? Do you find I bet you're exhausted, but no, I'm not. I just, I do like, I do make sure now that I, I self care and weekends are now mine, because I did used to let work sneak into weekends, um, but I'm starting to be a bit tough on myself, and I, because I miss out on family time and things like that if I don't. So yeah, it's just been a bit strict on yourself, isn't it? And making sure that you do, do put that self care in there as well.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the thing is, is um, I do work quite a lot of weekends because I train, do I deliver training on quite a few weekends. But what Mm. I try to do is, if I do that, I'll have a Monday off. Yeah, I say I have a Monday off. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'll do a bit of work
0: in the morning and then I'll try and have a few hours off. But I will try and claim that time back. Or um, I like what you said about you do your best work between 10 pm and 3 a.m. And I yeah. guess that's un- uninterrupted because no one else is working that's at that right. time.
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, so I'm super hypersensory as well. Mm. Um so that's when the world's starting to calm down. So it's yeah. a lot quieter. I don't hear noise from the neighbours and things like that. So I haven't, like you say, haven't got those distractions.
0: Yeah, and you're not getting inundated with emails that might take your attention somewhere else. And
1: yeah. I've also got a slightly, slightly skewed circadian rhythm as well. So it's <laughs> that it's nothing new. That's how I've always been. I always used to say that autism sleeps, but not when you want it to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. I love that. And also who's to say when we're meant to work, sleep or whatever. I think it's that thing of there not being a box for, you know, for a lot of ND people is, you know, you do what comes natural. It's like if I feel I need to sleep in an afternoon, I'll go and sleep and then I might work really late. Yeah. But I'll go with my own rhythm and I'll go with what feels right. Obviously, I've got clients and things, so I do work. And like you've got meetings and things, you you can work to a timetable. But when it's all the other stuff that you need to do, I will go with my natural rhythm. Yeah, you just fit it in when you can, don't you? Uh, Yeah, and when it feels right to do it as well. So I'm also, I don't know about you, but it's like... For example, I, I do design and d- deliver a lot of training. So if I'm de- in the designing phases mm. um, or, or, or all of the sort of admin and marketing, all of the other things that go with running a business or whatever, mm. I might plan to do that at a set time. But if my energy doesn't feel like it's there 100%, I, I won't beat myself up about not doing yeah. it that day. I'll, I'll, I'll do it another time.
1: Yeah. You know? I mean, all the work I do is voluntary, but I think that's one of the reasons as well that a lot of neurodivergent people fit well into self-employment. Yeah, because you have got that flexibility around timings and things like that. So and it's
0: your energy levels, isn't yeah. it? And when when your brain's working on all cylinders and when it's just absolutely needs to rest. Yeah. And you might have. I mean, for me, I've I've always I'm working for myself now and I'm loving mm. that suiting mm. me down to the ground. But the, in the past, I've always had jobs and been around people. I, I didn't know I was autistic till two years ago,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I wondered why I really struggled with decompressing and, um, you know, being around people, even if they're Mm. lovely people, but just being around people all day and in buildings and I'm very sensory to noise and sound Mm. and light and things like that. I can't work in offices where there's bright lights and things. I I look red on my podcast here that I know listeners can't see me because I I work under a sort of orangey-coloured light. Yeah. Um, Things like that. Or people thought I was weird because I would have my main meal at 10 o'clock in the morning. I used to have a roast dinner. Every single oh, okay. day at ten am, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't understand why other people didn't or thought that was odd, you know,
1: yeah
0: um, so yeah, it does help for me being self-employed because I can do all of those things and be as quirky as I like and work within my own hour, you know how I go,
1: yeah
0: um and not have to fit into those kinds of unwritten rules and social yeah. expectations,
1: yeah
0: um okay, so any challenges? That you experience being neurodivergent divergent, and super passionate, and busy, and a grandma, and a mom, and all those other things.
1: I think what you were talking about about admin. I suppose that's mine. Is I love doing the representation work. I love doing the engagement, um, peer support. I thoroughly enjoy doing that, but the admin that goes with it, and. That promotion, promoting is an issue that I come across. I find it really difficult to actually promote the work that I'm doing and put myself out, like we said about that public eye. Um, So one of the things that I'm doing at the moment is um, a redesign on our UK's website, because we're doing so much now that people need to know what we're doing. Um, So that's, Going okay, going okay, we're getting there, I'm learning new skills. This Never thought of 55, I'd be designing websites, but there you go. Um, and I've, I'm writing a blog that I'm going to be really brave and publish, press a button on I might do it on my birthday. Um, so, yeah, that's one. Um, I don't come across many challenges because I work with such good teams of people. Um, at the minute, I'm working with um dr amy grant from swansea university we're doing um a really amazing research project it's an eight-year extended project on autism from menstruation to menopause so a really really important area that hasn't yeah that sounds amazing around it um but even there we're doing it in a completely different way um, we've seen a big move towards participatory research. This is autistic led research.
0: Oh, Exciting. So Sounds like Swansea are quite forward thinking with that. They, are, they are. I did see on your um, LinkedIn recently, you posted an interesting message from a PhD student at Swansea, mm-hmm. Hayley Morgan, who's doing yeah. some research into autistic birth experiences. Yeah. So do you know much about that? Is there anything? Yeah, can-
1: Hayley's brilliant. Oh, I, I love Hayley. She's written a book. On the autistic birth experience and that's been published now so that's available i think it's available on amazon um and she's also part of um a new research collaborative called marge which is the maternity autism research group um i do sit on a couple of their groups as sort of a lay person but it, there's midwives in there there's healthcare workers in there um and they're all autistic. Um, And they've come together to create a resource around maternity and pregnancy and birth and everything else. Um, And that's available online now. So that's the Maternity Autism Research Group, known as Marge. If you do a search on Google, that will take you to there. Um, Another one of our directors, Kat Williams, she also plays a big role in Marge. Um, she's doing research at the moment around healthcare for autistic people for her PhD. Um, but we've also done a recently, and I don't think, no, they haven't been released yet, but recently we did some work around pregnancy with Dr. Amy as well. Um, and there's going to be a series of very short films released that talk about the challenges that you might experience while you're pregnant and um when you're in hospital giving birth and the after time um I really never thought that I would be on the internet talking about my boobs <laughs> uh, <laughs> well I was put forward why not breastfeeding so yeah <laughs> whenever come out, there'll be me talking all about it so we're gonna have um, a
0: rush of people googling you now willow
1: yeah. you? <laughs> don't show my boobs and just talk about them um but yeah so you can see sort of, there's all this new research and everything. isn't it
0: brilliant because do you know what? Yeah. i think it's an area that's been hitherto not ignored but not really explored so that kind of whole thing of <laughs> you know from menstruation to menopause and everything in between that means to be a woman mm-hmm. um you know and looking at pregnancy looking at Childbirth, looking at breastfeeding and all of those things. So well done, Dr. Amy Grant and people mm. like Haley Morgan who are looking mm. at these things. I think it's fascinating. It'll be really interesting. I'd love yes. to see. I might have a look and see if I can find the Amazon book then from Haley Morgan. Well, um,
1: well, I'll, I'll send you some links through after the meeting. Yes. Shortcut short it for you.
0: Fantastic. Um, and listeners, if you get in touch with me after the show, then you know I can pass that on. It's Evelyn E V-A-L-Y-W-N-E at Um, okay so I just want to um, go back to what you said about admin and promoting yourself and all of that sort of thing so
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, there's a very I don't know if anyone's out there's noticed but there's a very clear divisive line between when I used to put my own marketing stuff out and when I got a grant from Access to Work and employed a VA who does a lot of that for me and you can really see the division between the sort of stuff I would tentatively put out myself and the stuff that she does. So I think it's really worthwhile if you are somebody who, whether you're self-employed or you work as an, oh. uh, or you're employed, Access to Work uh, there to offer support in all sorts of different ways you can apply for a grant you might not always get it but they they can offer support with things like equipment and yes. having certain equipment that you might need to do your job and it's about giving you equal opportunities so for me uh, well what they do is they ask you to write down all the things that are involved in your job what are you well, able to do yourself and what you need support with and then they look at how they might make that happen for you and yes. it's been amazing for me I've had these support since december and i'll have it till december but in yeah. this what in this one year it's really helped me loads with even things like you know i'm quite happy to do certain things myself but it's about having someone else to talk you through it and mm-hmm. show you how to do things efficiently because i don't know about you willow but i can spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure out the most simplest thing like an excel spreadsheet or something oh, yeah. that other people just seem to whiz through whereas when it comes to designing training on I don't know neurodivergent children and using hypnotherapy. I can do that top of my head, absolutely no yeah. problem. I can do some quite complex stuff, but when it comes to working out the printer or, <laughs>
1: or try, you know, yeah.
0: various things like that, I'm, I'm, I just, it just doesn't compute. So
1: yeah, it's actually it's one of the things we're looking at at AUK. I mean, like I said, I do my work voluntary because of my health conditions, because my health conditions are quite unpredictable. So going into employ, employment as such can be quite difficult for me. Um, but we've got other directors who we'd like to develop what they're doing into job roles. And then as soon as we've started bringing in enough money to cover um, wages and things like that, we'll, we'll then be looking at access to work for them as well. Because yeah, you I do get wonder. access to work as a volunteer.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm wondering whether Access to Work also support people to volunteer because it no, doesn't have to don't. be paid employment. They don't? No, they don't. Well, maybe that's something that... It's
1: something it uh, that we're raising with government, actually, because, um, I mean, I was somebody said to me the other day when I asked what I did, when they, they came back to me, well, it's all right, but it's not a real job, is it? Oh, no, that's outrageous because...
0: Like, it's exactly uh, yeah. the same as a paid job, except for you're doing it without the money. Which exactly. is exactly you know,
1: this, this is the thing. It's, this it's is like, the thing. Um, uh, i the, s- the, the, the four hundred emails that are sitting waiting to yeah. be responded to in the, my inbox. Volunteer work, isn't, <laughs> volunteer work is
0: volunteer work is doesn't mean you're less skilled or no, less
1: no, it doesn't valued
0: or important or that you're doing this. It just means that that you're doing it for no money, and that, yeah, that really annoys um, me when people devalue volunteers. Yeah. Like so maybe that's something the ministerial advisory group might be. Yes, monitoring. it's it's yeah.
1: something that we're
0: looking at with the disability rights task force as well. Oh, disability rights I love a task force. <laughs> it make, it just makes you think, doesn't it, of some yeah. people sort of marching in these great big, you know Yeah, we,
1: we are going to do something about this. But it's things like there's a big difference between being productive and being employed. Yeah. I and mean, I I like I said to you, I I do what I do to protect my sanity. Yeah. Because I just I don't want to just sit and veg in front of daytime TV. It's, it's there's it's something about human. our self
0: worth as well as humans
1: yeah.
0: that if we are contributing to something we believe in and are passionate about, if we're contributing to society in some way, it doesn't have to be financially rewarding. No, but it yeah. is about having a valuable place in yeah. your community, in your society.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's more rewarding on a mental health level, on a, you know, a existential level of yeah. why we're here, making your life mean something, mm-hmm. as well as meaning something to others. That is m- far more rewarding than any salary yeah. could ever be. You yeah,
1: know? I agree. I agree. And and the people I connect with as well.
0: Yeah. And also what you're doing it's then. You're know, educating people, you're driving things forward, mm-hmm. you're, You're a change maker massively, but you're helping to sort of things to grow for future generations when maybe we're not around. And um, there's something incredible about that as well, isn't it? And Making your life meaningful for those the very short time we're here on the planet. Yes,
1: yes. And
0: meaningful for others as well as for yourself. Yeah, it goes
1: in the blink of an eye, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't believe I'm 55 when I look in the mirror. My brain still, still tells me I'm 16.
0: I can't believe I'm 55 either and I've got a 32 year old son and a 22 year old son I'm just like I'm sure I'm still 32 aren't I or 22 or something like that well I became Um, a
1: great grandma last year so imagine that one
0: (laughs) well I'm looking forward to it I'm not a grandma yet so you know and I might never be I think it's a real privilege and an honor to be a grandparent and to be a great grandparent is even more incredible to be able to experience that so I'm really it does make I'm you feel old <laughs> I'm sure it does but also how wonderful yeah um, okay so before we finish them, is there anything you'd like to say about
1: future plans and developments or anything personal that you want to share I think I mean the future plans and developments we're actually looking at expanding now and we're going to be having um, a volunteer drive pretty soon Especially with Autistic UK, Disability Wales, we're just we're, we're currently taking on new appointed directors. And that's underway now. Um, but Autistic UK, we're looking at having a, a big volunteer drive to start bringing in people so that we've got representation from more areas across the UK so we don't have to spread ourselves so thinly and so that we can – we'd like to see more youngsters coming in so that we can, like you said, start – Putting in place for the next generations so that they under It's quite hard work this, getting involved in policy and service development because you have to learn so much. But we'd like to be able to shortcut it for the next lot that are coming in so that the information is already there for them to use. They, we, they already know which legislation they can quote and things like that. Um, so we'll be looking at doing that. Um, and we're also looking at developing our peer support a bit wider um and we'll be able to do that with more volunteers as well because yeah, we like so to imagine... groups small we don't so like having massive great big groups so how can people find out
0: more about volunteering for autistic uk and maybe looking at that as a possibility
1: for something they might want to get involved in okay so hopefully by the end of the month i will have the new website up and running and there'll be a page on there about volunteering um, they can contact us at info at autisticqk.org um, with the subject line volunteering. Um, or they can, if they want more of a one-to-one chat about it before they get involved, they can contact me on my email, um, which is willow.holloway at That's
0: great. So, um, and what's the sort of, you said about trying to attract younger people. So what yeah. kind of age range would be ideal
1: um 18 and over um mostly because of our insurance we work more with adults than we do children um but we're looking for all sorts of things admin support um content creators for the websites um blog writers you name it if you've got a skill we'll try and fit you in because the thing we do rather than create roles and then ask people to come and fill those roles What we're doing is asking people to come to us and talk to us and we will try and create a role that matches your skills.
0: Oh, I love that. That's total co-production as well, isn't it? And so that's reassuring for people that they're not having to sort of try and squash themselves into, you know, job descriptions and things like that. Um, And also, I guess when you're volunteering it's about fitting it around you and your life isn't it yeah. and that's yeah. one benefit because although you're not getting paid it's about you know if you're having a day when you're really struggling you know do your hours another day yeah and it's exactly. about getting the work done it's not about you know you have to turn up at this time and do this yeah. and that and a lot of people can do their work remotely now yeah Is that, I know, was just going
1: to say that at actually. Home. I mean, we do have some office-based um opportunities coming up, but obviously they're in landed now in North Wales. Yeah. So if somebody's local to that, then great. We can do some office work, but most of our work is done remotely.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so it doesn't matter where you are, you don't have to be I got, mean no judgment somewhere. at
1: all because I, I'm quite I'm quite isolated and I like my own space. But I work from my bedroom most of the time. Um it's it's not perfect. But that's how I like to work. Yeah, and it's what so makes feel you great. feel
0: it's what makes you feel comfortable, isn't it? And you're yeah. gonna you're gonna work better if you're not stressed. And you yeah. can use your logical brain and not your stress yeah. brain. So yeah. it makes complete sense. So I think that's really worth people knowing. And yeah,
1: because also... one of the things as well we've found that we've had a few people come in and volunteer in the past and the skills that they've developed, they've then gone on to get work within the autistic or oh, well, should say autism field, but they've gone on into paid jobs yeah and also because with volunteering you for... don't
0: have to do a 37 hour week or whatever no. you can do an hour can't you or i was gonna say that... yes
1: some the minimum we're sort of four hours a week is really the minimum on the roles that we're putting out um but none of them are over part-time
0: yeah well thanks because for of what that. we were
1: saying about that energy management we we're very aware of too many hours can lead to burnout and that's not something we want for our volunteers
0: no, and also it manages expectations as well. And I think in terms of, um, knowing what new, us neurodivergent people can be like when we get passionate about something we can absolutely immerse in it and that's not particularly healthy all of the time either to go oh my gosh I want to do like this is this is my life and I just want to do this and it can be really overwhelming can't it so burnout can happen so I think it's about managing that as well and saying, look you know if four hours a week sounds good and if that's you know what you can what you can offer that's a brilliant starting point yeah but if you can do more and you can manage more then that's great too so thanks for that so um info at autisticuk.org or willow.holloway at autisticuk.org okay well it's been lovely to have you on the program again and so many things so many things going on but all really exciting things and it sounds like you know things are really growing they are well, they going are. in the right direction and all done from the comfort of your own bedrooms. So I wonderful. know it's brilliant. <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> Thank you for coming on Willow. And um, I will
1: speak to you soon. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for asking me.
0: Thank you for listening. I'm Evelyn Chalmer. This is Autistic Voices and special thanks to our guest of the week.